Hey everyone, and welcome to the All Elite Zone podcast on YouTube and Twitch, and on Spotify now. Uh, we are here for our interview with TNA slash Impact Wrestling star and one half of the Mercy Machine Guns, Alex Shelley. He will be on here momentarily. Uh, we got Mr. Jacobs on, we got Adam, and we have Bill from TNI. So if you guys are familiar with the TNI Total Nonstop Impact podcast, go check them out. Uh, they post a lot of TNA Impact stuff. Um, yeah, we're just waiting on Alex Shelley. He'll be on in just a few minutes, probably. Let's see, we already got some people tuning in. Thank you all for joining. Yep, we got uh, Alex, what's your favorite tag team? Tim Prashida. We'll definitely pop these comments up once it's on. Carly B, how you doing? Miss Carly, she's our first female on the All Elite Zone. As official Friday, yeah. yeah. She did a great job, too. I'm happy to have her on. Get my mic situated over here. <laughs> it was great to have you a part of it, Carly. At least we won't probably hear a dog whistle sound today, huh? Make sure I got my questions pulled up. I got, got a bunch of them.
so while waiting, uh, a lot of viewers, what is your favorite Alex Shelley match? Uh, from TNA, Ring of Honor. He's been everywhere. Even uh, NXT for a little bit. Yeah, New Japan. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah I forgot about mm -hmm. New Japan. Yeah, he's been everywhere. Now that um, I believe they showed it this past Thursday as the main event, but for the did everyone see the multiverse of matches match with Mike Bailey? He had, yeah, I've seen that. He recently just came back to Impact with uh, Chris Saban. Yep, I was there for when he uh sacrificed was Alex Shelley and uh Jay White. Yeah, you knew they had to connect back up if they're yeah in the same locker room. Is it true that Alex Shelley and Jay White is is like a are they a, like a related? I don't think they're related. They're he's just the, the teacher. He 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 was one of his uh, teachers. Because uh, kind of brought him up, and he, and he lived with him. He lived with him for uh, a while. A lot of people was telling me that Alex Shelley's brother was Jay White. I didn't because his he's from uh, Australia, isn't he? Yeah, New Zealand. Is he New Zealand or Australia? I think it went. Oh, we got the we got the man in the house now. Hey guys. Hey. Uh, Thanks for uh, joining us. Oh no problem. I'll start about the time, uh little situation, the Eastern time and Central Time. No, don't worry. Uh but yeah, we got uh teenage slash impact wrestling star and went out for Mercy Machine Guns, Alex Shelley in uh so yeah, I guess I will go first. Uh, the questions. Uh, let's see, get my questions pulled up. Well, my first question is: How did uh, you and Chris Saban form Mercy Machine Guns? Like, you both were in TNA at the same time. Well, not the same time, but uh, like, how did y'all become a team? I guess I'm trying to say. Uh, we were in TNA at the same time. He joined TNA and. Oh, let's see. It would have been 2003 and came in in 2004. And we had trained together quite a bit. Both came up in Detroit. And I started wrestling for Pro Wrestling Zero One Max, which at the time was one of the better companies in Japan, in February, May, March 2005. And for about a year there, I was the owner that was on pretty much every tour. Uh, I was lucky enough to wrestle alongside Yankee and Steve Reno. Sanjay Dutt was there quite a bit. And I challenged for the WA Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles uh, three times. So the champions were Ikuto Hidaka and Minoru Fujita, who are just incredible wrestlers, incredible tag wrestlers too. And they were voted Tag Team of the Year in 2005. So upper echelon competitors for sure. And by the time I challenged for the third attempt at the belts, the office said, who do you want as your partner? So the first time my partner was Spanky, the second time my partner was Sanjay, the third time I had Blanche to choose. And I chose Chris Steven. So in August of 2006, we went over to Zero One Max and participated in the Tabichi Junior Heavyweight Tournament round robin, uh, I'm sorry, single elimination junior heavy tournament they had every year. On final night, that's a challenge for the belts, we won. So in our first main event in Corican Hall, 
we won the NWA Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles, which was pretty cool for me um, to be there with my best friend and to have that memory. That's awesome. Uh, uh, Bill, you can go. Oh, okay. Um, so, Alex, uh, just wondering, because obviously – uh, you're doing stuff at Impact now, but you, I know I've seen you on the Indies too. Is there any, I know you had that great match with Mike Bailey at the Multiverse of Matches show. Is there any talent that you haven't worked with that you'd like to work with in the near future? As mean, a, either a single or a tag with Chris? Indies or Impact? It, it, it could be either. It could be either. Sure. Yeah, there are quite a few out there. Um, one of the reasons I like doing Independence is because I do get to wrestle a wide variety of opponents. So uh, just weekend, I wrestled for NEW in Vancouver against one of my favorite opponents, Dan Kabe, who's an excellent technical wrestler, and I like to be pushed in that regard. Um, I've been fortunate to have quite a few matches. I came back in September uh, with my inoculations in check uh, against plethora of guys on the independents who are just phenomenal. As far as impact goes, of course, there's quite a few. Um, I find a lot of the X Division guys to be rather captivating. Like, I love to wrestle train again. That's probably number one with the bullet. Uh, because I've taken the protege and helped train him or retrain or instruct him, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think Laredo Kid is awesome. Um, I think Black Taurus is awesome. Uh, in impact, I think. The Good Brothers would be really cool to wrestle because I've wrestled them so many times, but it was seven years ago, um, you know, on the countryside of Japan. Uh, but never in the machine guns. It was always time splitters. It was always me and Kushida. Um, as far as independents go, there's quite a few wrestlers out there that I would really like to go up against. Blake Christian's really good. Um, wrestling Nick Wayne and Oliver for GCW coming up. And I'm really excited about that, especially Jordan, because he was the last trainee of Jimmy. Ray. And when I see him, I see so much of Jimmy uh, who's near and dear to my heart a lot. Like he was one of my best friends. So to have come circle, I think will be really cool. Um, gosh, man, I never got to wrestle Danhausen. Um, even though we've trained together and we're from the same area, that'd be really interesting and different. Uh, and there were a lot of guys in Ring of Honor that I was really hoping to wrestle against the pure division that I never got to. Um, Tracy Williams is up there as well. There's more, but I can't think of them all right now. And I could sit here naming them for hours. So Yeah, no, they'd all be great matches, I'm sure. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> <laughs> um. What or whom inspired you to become a professional wrestler? Ah, uh, good question. So that one gets asked a lot, I think, pretty much everybody. And the answer never changes for me, but I think it was more so the fact that I grew up watching WWF better than anything else. And when you show a 10-year-old kid from Detroit who's already enamored with comic books and video games, WWF, and the top guys at that point in time, Bret Hart and Diesel and 123Kid and Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Um, colorful, and it's very vibrant, and it's larger than life. And you have enough guys, especially Shawn Waltman and 
uh, HBK and Owen Hart, these guys who were like highly athletic. And those were the guys that first made me think like, oh, wow, this is more than just two giant men punching and kicking each other and bombing off the ropes. These are guys who are very, very quick and agile. And that sort of sporting element drew me in. Hmm. That's awesome. Um, Alex, you uh, you mentioned that you uh, you know you started it in, um, in in that generation uh, wrestling. Uh, you also started in Ring of Honor. Um, my question is: You've worked with a lot of uh, wrestlers in all those promotions. Are, are there any connections that you keep with any of these wrestlers that go their separate ways to promotion other promotions? And you guys talk about your up and bringing days, new 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 things you can do in the ring. Like, do you keep in contact with all these? you know, old, old, uh, old school guys with, uh, that you grew up with in Ring of Honor and all that? Mm, I wouldn't consider anybody from Ring of Honor old school. Like, old school guys, to me, would have been T. Um, Smothers or Kevin Nash or Sabu. That's old school. From so now that we've got that definition established, don't keep in contact with any old school guys from my generation and i really don't keep in contact with anybody from of honor as it relates to the guys that i came up with or the guys that mentored me like cabana and punk and hero were big mentors to me but there's only so many hours a day and um i realize especially with wrestling that in life truly people are going to be a part of your life for a period of time and then they won't, and then not because the relationship diminished, that's not because you care any less about them or they care any less about you. It's just because the priorities start to shift. So do I keep in touch with them? No, not really. But if I saw them, how would it any time had passed? No. And I'll give you an example. I saw Frankie Kazarian maybe a month ago in Francisco on an independent show. Um, it was a prestige wrestling, which is an excellent indie, and uh, West Coast Pro partner to put on the net. Malachi Black was supposed to come in time. Uh, he couldn't get so AEW's Frankie. And Frankie's a guy I've known since I was, shit, I, maybe 19 or 20. And I hadn't seen him. In, I mean, I, I had left for medical school and Ring of Honor. So had to be like four years. And it was like no pass whatsoever. And we just spent the whole night hanging out. And just having the time for our lives. So once you establish that bond, um, for the most part, I don't think it diminishes over time. Uh, but I can only touch with so many people. And I'm a guy who literally has like every hour of every account for because I work in a career outside of wrestling and have a career in wrestling and always trying new things. So I hate to say that I don't have time for communication, but I don't have time for communication because I don't want to bother these guys who have families and their own responsibilities. Um, mm -hmm. But wrestling's a brotherhood, sisterhood, whatever you want. And I think uh, those bonds are very strong. That's awesome. Uh, my next question is who inspired or how did you come up with the paparazzi gimmick? Uh, a few days ago, we watched the best of Alex Shelley building up to this. And a lot of the matches that we that we reacted to, you always had the camera out, the paparazzi gimmick. So who inspired that, or how did you come up with that? I didn't come up with it. It was Dutch Patel. He had already in Puerto Rico. 
just kind of slapped it on me. I think what happened though was nobody expected me and Kevin Nash to have the chemistry we did. And because of that, it just kind of took on like a new life um, of its own to the point where we did whatever we wanted to do that we thought entertaining, really entertained ourselves. And I think virtue of that, people were entertained just watching us have fun. That's cool. Yeah, that, I think that's one of everyone's uh, favorite uh, things you've done is the paparazzi productions. I know even Impact brought the shirt back uh, within the last couple of years. They were selling it again. Uh, so, you know, that had stay in power all those years later. But uh, I know yeah, I think pretty well. a lot of people come up to me and say that's the funniest stuff I've ever seen in wrestling. And I think, again, there is it was just like a bottle. And I Nash at GCW in January. Um, a lot of GCW promoter, who would be a draw in Detroit? And I said, James Sabu and Kevin Nash, he got both of them. And Nash came out, probably bullshitted with the crowd for 10 minutes, and then he bullshitted for maybe another 10 minutes or so. It was just awesome, right? Like, we didn't talk about what we were going to say or do at all. You just got there, and again, uh, it's like a high level of it. It's a strong bond. And it was just so much fun to just like be in his presence. I think he'd say the same about me. The paparazzi production stuff, none of that was scripted. None of that was written for us. It was just kind of, uh, this kind of, you want to go and get whatever you want. Okay, sounds good. And off to pieces. <laughs> so for, uh, just, I know your schedule, you, you were just talking about it, how busy it is. And like you, you keep busy with work, uh, wrestling, all over the place. Uh, do you, are you still keeping time to train wrestlers as well? Because I know you, there was like real recently, even an impact, uh, there was that whole run where a bunch of your guys were on explosion. Uh, but are you still having time to train wrestlers going forward too? Like it's, <clears throat> no, is a short answer. Um, if I had more time, if I wrestled full time and I was under contract, I probably would. But what it is, is not me necessarily training these guys. These guys are trained, man. They're really good already. It's them asking me for advice and then them saying, well, can I come train with you? And me saying, well, yeah, absolutely. Like next time I'm training, let you know. These guys are driving quite a way in some instances to just come spend a day um, hanging out and training. And I hate to sound special. I like it for it as well because I, it forces me to keep up with them. Like these guys are the future of the industry, period. Right. And it sharpens my skill set too. And it gives me a different way of thinking. Like I'm learning just as much from them as they're learning from me, whether I know it or not. So it's a very symbiotic relationship in that regard. Um, I haven't been able to do it as much because I'm literally booked every weekend and I'm working 40 hours a week into therapy. So the times I train are not going to be before I leave for a match because like, you just can't risk that. Right? You can get hurt at training, which does happen um, quickly and then not make your booking. That stated, I think a lot of it is guys contacting me and then just asking for advice too. And I can give a pretty good didactic lecture that might help them, but I never tell them what they're doing is wrong. It's not. I just express that, Oh, I've done it this way. I, they like it or they don't, but it seems like they like it. 
but no, to answer your question, that's a long way around to say that I haven't actually been in the ring training guys probably since like, Oh, before I came back. Right. Like, so I wanted to make sure I was ready when I came back um, as far as being in ring, probably about last summer or so. I'd like to bring up Generation Next. Uh, yourself, Austin Aries, Jack Evans, Roger Strong. Um, tell us about the concept behind that stable and the formation of it. Sure. Uh, at that point in time, the Ring of Honor, I won't go down the entire rabbit hole here, but I'll kind of at least look into it. Um, I lost quite a bit of talent from TNA, they're relying on TNA talent at that point as the backbone for the company. And they needed to establish new stars. And Gabe wanted a group of young wrestlers who were kind of pissed off and wanted to take matters into their own hands. So Gabe picked it, and I think he chose wisely, all things equal. And he wanted me to be the mouthpiece for whatever reason. I think it turned out all those guys can talk. But maybe at that point in time, I was a little more comfortable with it. Um, and we all had very different styles of wrestling, which I think is really what he wanted. Uh, he wanted variety amongst four of us, and uh, he definitely not that much. That's more or less all there is to it. Hmm, interesting. Uh, Alex, I'm going to do this as, as far as a, as a fan point. Uh, you know, because we all, as wrestling fans, had that match that got us involved in wrestling where we're like, wow, this this, this is a cool entertainment. We, we want to watch more of this. So as you got into, you know, wrestling and everything like that, what was the one match that pretty much in your eyes you saw and you were like, wow, I, I got to get into this industry. I got to do this. Oh, I never had a match. Oh, there was never a match. It was just repeated instances of things that drew my attention. Um I could probably say, well, like one of the turning points, like, cause you know, WWF back then, like the big matches business model was different, right? So the TV shows were the commercials for the pay-per-view. So typically you didn't see the matches that would have maybe captivated you on TV necessarily. Um, because usually the big shows had, and I would say probably if I had to pick like a couple instances, of seeing things that made me think like, oh yeah, this, like I want to do that. Uh, the first time I ever saw Brian Pillman and Jim incredible. Um, the first time I saw the one, two, three kid moonsault on the razor Ramon, um, Shawn Michaels versus Diesel at WrestleMania. Um, the first time I saw this one sounds strange too. Very lucky I actually had those guys a mentor, but when I seen Jiro Otani do a springboard, you know, like some these things stick with you and it's like, holy shit, what did I just see? Um, so it wasn't necessarily hmm. Yeah. Uh, so my next question is uh, obviously this is podcast, this podcast called the All Elite Zone. So I have to ask, is there anyone from AEW that you would be interested in working with? Sure. They have copious amounts of peace talent under contract. There's tons of guys. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you anybody specifically that would stick out more than the rest uh, per se. But yeah, there's, there's lots of guys there I would love to wrestle. Hmm. Alex, a uh, big fan of the work you did with the time splitters with Kushida. 
And how did that how did that come about? You, was that just a random pairing, or or how did you wind up becoming a team over in in Japan with him? Okay, good question. Um, so Kushi is two weeks older than I am. So let's keep that in perspective first, right? And there was a point in probably 2000, 2009 or ten. Scott Moore, who has a wrestling school. Can-Am Wrestling in Windsor, Ontario, which is right across the way from across the bridge, uh, had a relationship with all Japan wrestling. And more or less, they would send um, younger wrestlers back and forth. So I acquired a few Japanese young boys, and eventually he got Kushida to come over. Uh, I remember being at a show outside Detroit and watching Kushida wrestle pd williams and it was fucking awesome it was really good and i didn't recognize him right away but i had actually seen him before because zero one the company I worked for worked with a company in japan called hustle and hustle would use tajiri and then tajiri's trainees while kushi was trained by i remember watching my old mentor Akito Hidaka wrestled this kid in black trunk wrestling shoes. I was like, man, that's really good. And it was Kushi. That was probably 2007. But when I'm a couple years later in 2009, maybe 2010, um, against PD, he had a totally different aesthetic. But his work was awesome. And I was always a big fan. I think a lot of guys in generation wore and moved and wrestled very much like you did. So after the match, I introduced myself. I said, dude, I've seen you before. I watched your match against Hidaka, and it was really good. He said, thank you very much. And he ended up eventually going to New Japan Pro Wrestling. And when he did, he had a whole new look like even beyond what I had seen in 2010. And he looked like me or a combination of me and Saban. I was like, oh, he must be a fan of the Motor City Machine Guns. And he kind of already wrestled the same way we did anyway, right? A lot of the techniques were very similar. And he had gone to Mexico and trained. And he actually was a pretty gifted mixed martial artist and amateur wrestler. So he had a, like a pretty visual skill set. It got to the point in 2012. Really, it was in 2011. But I knew I was going to leave NA. I just did not want to be there anymore. My contract was going to be up in 2012. Um, for a number of reasons, it just wasn't. Uh, I was in school at the time, and a lot of my friends didn't wrestle there anymore. The Bucks had left. Red had left. Okada was gone. Um, you know, I was just like, this is not fun for me anymore. At this point, it just doesn't fit with I'm out of wrestling. And um, I was, again, just about done with diversity. So I had been taking classes for four years at that point. I thought, I got to try something new. Because if I don't, I'm going to fall out of love with wrestling. That's a huge part of my life. So I contacted New Japan. At the time, I was very lucky. I felt very blessed and very wanted because a lot of companies, when it was released that I was leaving TNA, contacted me. I had off from um, New Japan, All Japan, and Dragon Gate all at the same time. But I really wanted to go to New Japan because I knew layout. And we had worked there as part of the TNA Talent Exchange. And a lot of my friends were there, too. Um, so I thought, well, it would be good if I had an idea about how I could come to the company. And I remember suggesting to the office that if Kushida didn't have a tag team partner, I think we'd be a cool team. And that's all I said. They were going to bring me regardless, right? So 
after we got there, I remember them saying, yeah, we'll have you guys team on some house shows and six mans and we'll see how it goes. Okay, cool. And we had really good chemistry, just like as people. And he speaks really good English, which obviously is in my ass. I'm not so as we became closer, um, I realized like this guy was a fan of the machine guns. He was a fan of me. In fact, told me that before he ever became a wrestler, he was a reporter for some Japanese newspapers and he would go to zero one in 2005 and six and actually write stories on the matches and take photographs of me. And I thought, Oh wow, this is like really, really cool. And again, we're both Gemini's, right? Gemini's twins. So I don't know if you believe astrology, astronomy, whatever you want to call it. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> Just hit me off right away. And part of it is, even though we're the same age, I had a different skill set than he did, and had a different skill set than I did, definitely. And again, uh, to use the term symbiotic relationship, like I did earlier with some of the independent wrestlers I work with, this was very symbiotic as well. So we helped each other elevate our skills, and obviously it worked out really well for him because he became the face of the junior division. Um, within a few years there. Oh, he just works so goddamn hard, too. He's just so talented that it was probably going to happen regardless, but hopefully I help that process get a little bit more expedited. That's it. Yeah, it's, it's crazy that, because uh, you're right, you guys came together so quick, because yeah. I, I look back, it feels like you guys were together a lot longer than you really were. Like, it, like, like a three-year run. And I think yeah. one of the things that we're credited with at least low key. I don't think a lot of people know this, but it, it, it's been said to me numerous times. But um, I remember seeing Rocky Romero not that long ago. And uh, I've got a documentary up right now, right? Like it's called The Life of an Independent Wrestling TV gives a to independent wrestlers and their life. And there's a point where I actually catch up with Rocky Romero. I, I have the utmost respect for him. I think he's one of my opponents. And when I'm talking to him, he says, you changed tag wrestling in New Japan. I was like, huh? And he goes, you just brought so many new things to it that we hadn't done. Like, nobody had ever seen this. Like, you made it work within the Japanese context. And looking back on it, like, yeah, I did. And and I don't mean that braggadociously because I wouldn't have gotten unless I had Saban as a partner. And my Jim Cornette coached me and the Young Bucks as opponents. But, like I was in the right place at the right time to kind of introduce this new style of tag team wrestling, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without Peter. I certainly would not have been able to. All right, well, Carly, uh, she's in now, so uh, she wanted to hop in real fast. So, uh, yeah, the floor is yours, Carly. Yeah, I just wanted to hop in. Um, so I was a competitive gymnast growing up, and um, you know, def- I trained a lot and. In that type of sport, you see lots of sports injuries. When I <clears throat> became more of a grown-up, I went to nursing school, and I found that being a nurse really and being a competitive athlete growing up really aided me in my field. And I know you're a physical therapist, so I just wanted to see like how that related to you know your profession as a therapist, and then um, how your sports background influences that. And do you work with wrestlers today? And yeah, just kind of want to touch base on that. Right. No, that's a question. Thank you. Um, it's nice to have something different to talk about. Uh, I work for a company that basically does spinal cord injuries. And what I mean by that is not quadriplegic or paraplegics, um, but more so like herniations, right? Cervical and lumbar spine. 
and when I took that job, I was very excited because you talk to any pro wrestler and almost invariably they have a neck injury, a back injury or both. And I think that's going to be true for the entire population mm. going forward, you know, because we sit so much and we're rounded and we're just more or less kind of a lazy, obese society on the whole, which is unfortunate. I don't think the pandemic's going to help that, but that's a long way around to say that um, I really wanted to learn as much as I could about the spinal cord and the recovery process, how to mobilize it, how to spin it, so I could apply it to wrestling myself and then a lot of my friends too. As far as having a sports background and how that relates to healthcare, I think the biggest benefit that I have is that I was a patient therapy and that I had both good and bad therapy. And I kept that in the back of my mind when I was going through school because you would get a lot of these people who want to be clinicians, but at the same time, they've never been through it. Right. They've never been on the other end of the curtain mm. and they've never had to understand what back pain like or what neck pain feels like. It's a totally different mm -hmm. piece. Like you have a really serious back injury. It limits absolutely everything and it impacts your quality of life. Highly. So I think having that empathy was probably the most important thing that I could bring to the table. And again, working with spinal cord injuries, it's going to affect every population. I work with wrestlers, not really. I mean, most of the people I work with are people who would be our parents' age or um, people who are, you know, in their 30s and 20s and they sit and that's all they do because now they're working from home, right? And they've gained 30 pounds during COVID. Um, I see that more than I see sports injuries. Uh, I do see sports injuries, and I will say this much, and I, this is probably interesting for anybody who's truly interested in um, biomechanics. The two most common exercises that I see that just end up nuking people's backs are easily the deadlift and the kettle swing. And I can't tell you how many times when I see someone come in, they're in good shape, and they tell me that they got hurt lifting, that I can literally guess it's going to be a death or it's going to be a bell swing. And it's true like nine times out of ten. So I think understanding the proper mechanics of the hip hinge and the squat and the lunge and just how to strengthen the core really goes a long way. Because, again, like I've had to do an acute back injury. But on too, when you get these people who have hurt doing those things, they think, I'm done. Like, I can't do a deadlift again. Well, wait a second. Like, back up. Like, a hip hinge is, like, part of life. You know, you can't go through, like, not lifting things off the ground. I mean, that's not going to be a very good life because you've got six basic movement patterns, right? Push, pull, hinge, squat, lunge, and low motion. And you can't just not have one of those. So I think understanding that. And having that training background as well puts me a knock above a lot of the clinicians in my clinic. Because a lot of them actually like don't train or they really don't do anything athletic at this point in their lives. That's not something, but they don't continue to learn about that. Whereas I'm constantly learning. Like I feel like I'll perpetual student always. You know, like when I'm here to go mountain biking and then study for my CFS license, which I got to re-up And I love that stuff. I love training and I love I love the healing process and I'm modifying things too. I think that's probably to bring it full circle. Part of the reason that a lot of indie guys gravitate towards me for advice too, because 
again, I don't think anything they're doing is wrong. I just modify things accordingly, kind of get it to where they can fit into their bucket, even if it's not the same way I would personally do it. Good question. Okay. Um, one match that's uh, that's always stuck out to me was from the earlier uh, Ring of Honor days with you and CM Punk. Uh, I'd like to know about the build to that and uh, your relationship with him backstage. I don't think there was any build to it. Um, I think it was, you're going to wrestle CM Punk and Daisy. Yeah, fucking great. Sounds good. Um, yeah, I don't remember any sort of like storyline or build up. But aside from like punk's the best, and, you know, see if I can beat him. Uh, as far as my relationship with goes, he was a guy that I always looked up to, and he taught me a lot. Like not just the wrestling stuff, but he was always on top of his training and nutrition. He was kind of the first guy I saw who really went out of the way to get in, like real shape at a certain point, even though he was always in shape mm-hmm. and. Uh, I always respected that and took that with me in, you know, wrestling's an aesthetic business. And I understand that society now is less geared towards looks and that's fine. And I think there's healthy people in all ranges of weight and shape and size. But at the same yeah. time, uh, he's a guy who really is conditioning at the forefront. And he was a first guy I was around that did so. So to me, it was animation, right? Because I looked up to him so much and it was a matter of, oh, I do this too. I remember the very first I was ever on with him it was in 2003. Jimmy Jacobs and I picked him and Dave Prezak to drive down IWA in the South. And he said, Alex Shelley, do you exercise? Do you lift weights? I was like, yep, I do. It's good. Yep, keep it up. And it was just one of those things where you really do have to do that. If you're going to participate in pro wrestling, which is a super ballistic, velocity-driven sport, if you don't have that armor, if you don't have that protective mechanism, then you're really working uphill. Uh, there's all sorts of research out there that shows, you know, you have to do these things to strengthen all your soft tissue, not just your muscles, but you got to move the fascia around. You got to strengthen ligaments. Um, bone density is a huge thing too, right? And yeah. wrestling is going to tax all of those. So if you're not training, you need to just for safety's sake. Wow. Yeah, I can totally agree with that. Growing up as an athlete myself, having to take care of my body and everything like that, you know, doing family progression and everything. So I understand where you're coming from. Um, speaking to um, going back to the paparazzi productions, we talked about that a little bit. Uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, storylines in TNA uh, was uh, um, was the main event mafia, and then you, along with a few other of your sort of created the front line. Um, I loved that storyline. And my question is, who, whose idea was to put uh, you guys together? It was you, Mojo, AJ Styles, Consequences, create, like whose idea was that to create the front line and, and start that feud with the main event mafia? Uh, it was Russo's. I'm almost certain it was Vince Russo, but there might be other people in there. And that was kind of like at the period of time where I started to go back to school and um, like, not say that I was an in wrestling because I always worked as hard as I could, but at the same time, my attention was diverted. So we, the machine guns really weren't a huge part of that. Um, if you go back and look historically, like that continued on without us for the most part. Um, I think probably around that period of time is when they introduced suicide. So we were a foil him. 
And I started doing stuff with Foley. And that kind of took us out of that main event mafia storyline. That's awesome. Uh, well, my next question is uh, you and Kushida was in, uh, y'all had a run in a, uh, like NXT. Uh, so how did that come about, you and him having a run in NXT? WWE contacted me and said, do you want a team with Kushida in NXT? And it was literally as simple as that. I wish I could give you a cooler sex answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'll go off this person's comment right here, Alex Tan. Uh, how is your run in MLW going? It's over. I'm not going to be back in MLW for a while, I don't think. Um, there were scheduling comics, and then, you know, they're a great company to work for. I enjoyed the two matches I had there. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm going to be there for a minute. Bob, best of luck, MLW, though. I mean, our place is people have to work for that. The biggest thing that I, like, regret there is I didn't get to wrestle a couple guys I really would have liked to. Like, I really would have liked to have mocked horns with a few people there. But, um, that didn't happen, but that's okay. Life goes on. Well, Alex, I know, like, uh, during your, your first run in TNA, uh, you came in, you worked with Goldilocks, that baby bear gimmick and all. Um, and I know I that that was that didn't end well, I guess, that first run. You left uh, after not being used. But was that all, like the baby bear thing, was that all Dusty Rhodes, that gimmick? Or was that some someone else backstage? Or did you have any say in any of that when it first started in TNA? No say, none. I have no idea whose idea it was. Really didn't give a shit. It was one of those things, like, I just want to, wrestle as much as possible you know so like they offered me a contract like oh cool i can actually like quit my job and wrestle for a living and uh it was definitely worth it in the sense i got to learn from these people I would not have gotten to otherwise like being a lifelong student really pertained to wrestling and my decision making within that realm so to be around guys at accident legends especially at that point that was that was Well, uh, does uh, uh, Carly, do you have a question you'd like to ask, or or, or like or like anyone else? Uh, I actually have a question because I'm a I'm a huge fan of music, uh, Alex, and I did some research on on your name. Uh, uh, first of all, I do give you uh, credit uh, for loving punk rock. <laughs> uh, so my question is. Uh, of all the punk rock music you listen to, what you know, what other kind of genres of music you know do you listen to? Do you like to listen to? Is there anything nowadays that that you're really into that you think someone would like? Man, that's tough to say. Uh, music's very personal, right? So I think probably the coolest modern invention for me, as far as expanding my musical taste goes, is easily Spotify's Discover Weekly. Like the algorithm they have in place where they just spit out new stuff at you every single week. And I'd say, you know, like maybe like 20 to 30% of my actually here. But I think that's such a neat way to find music that picks off of what you already like. And honestly, I haven't been listening to as much 
uh, punk or indie rock is like really heavy because I've been reading more and there's research out there that shows you don't want to read and listen to music as right. They say the best thing you can study to or create to um, is classical music or instrumental music. So lately I've just been like plugging in really random terminology in the Spotify's app. I don't know, like I listened to the other day. Uh, I was at a coffee shop studying Spotify video game music. Okay, sounds good. And like just instrumentals came up. It's like, okay, that's good. And I, I find that I do maybe absorb the knowledge a little bit better because I don't have power chords or lyrics or anything like taking my attention away from what I'm actually supposed to be ingesting. Discover Weekly. I assume everybody has Spotify, right? Like everybody. I listen to the Discover Weekly. Like that's pretty much all I listen to on Spotify now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like every Monday morning when I get in my car to go to work, it's like the first thing I put on to see what's new for the week. Yeah. I've been listening to a lot of the uh, lo-fi hip hop too, when or classical music when I write because it's just a way to kind of zone out and focus on what you're what you're working on. Yep. Yeah, I like the release radar too. Like release mm -hmm. radar is a nice feature because it'll be like, oh, wow, I had no idea that these guys were putting out new albums because you can't keep up with all this stuff. You know what I mean? oh, yeah, so why not let Spotify do it? Mm -hmm. So I think like, those two features are really nice. And the daily mixes are okay too, right? Those are nervous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what's next for you in the future? Do you have any big plans to wrestle anywhere new or... And I, going uh, on? Um, I think I've got like every book in the like office, and uh, the thing that might end up being like new would be I might be going to the UK real soon for a company on the road, and that would be cool. Um, I've always been kind of like apprehensive about it because it seems like so much travel, but then. When I really broke it down and I talked to the promoter, it's like, well, it can't be that bad. I just went to Vancouver this past weekend, right? So to give you an idea of what that travel looked like, I had to fly from Detroit to Toronto, Toronto to Vancouver, but there was like a half, three-hour layover too. Like the entire trip probably took approximately 10 hours. As far as like just being an airport, not to like getting up and all that too. And I'm not complaining about that, but it's just like a ton of travel, right? So if I'm going to do that, then going the other way to the UK is like just as bad. Um, and I use air quotes there because it's not bad per se, just as time consuming as going to the West Coast, you know, and I'm champion prestige right now too. So I'm going out there a bunch as well. So this upcoming gap to um, uh, Portland and that'll require a layover in Seattle. So, you know, the travels and travel one way or another. Hmm. It's not one of those things where it was as bad as I thought originally. Like it is time consuming as I thought. So if I can figure that out, then it would be really, really nice that. But between working with Impact, working with Prestige, and then a handful of other indies too. Like I'm I'm pretty busy, pretty busy guy. Well uh Let's, uh, I'm gonna tell now, you. now, um, you. Oh, go ahead. <clears throat> no, you, no, you, no, you can go. Oh, I was gonna ask. Um, okay, I was gonna ask. Um, you've, uh, of course, you've done work in Japan and everything. I would like to know and like for you to share with us, like the difference between uh, fans in Japan and fans here, here in America. 
I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's wrestling fans, right? Like it's culture, um, sociology, mm-hmm. right? So people in Japan are different than people in America. That's all there is to it. Um, I don't know how to describe the differences. Like you'd have to ask me a more direct question for me to really sink my teeth into that. Like uh, I guess the would it, would it be safe to say like they're like the like the Japanese watching they're more respectful than than Americans or more uh, I guess they would be see it more as a as an event than as a sport as a, as opposed to American you know American fans how uh, you know we're loud and you know and vocal and stuff like that like I mean like would you notice that is that kind of a you know kind of a a difference with that kind of, you know what I mean? I wouldn't say that there's a difference. The acoustics of it. Like I would say that one is more vocal. I don't think that's the case. I would say that the way they pro wrestling is very different. And that's historical. If you were to look at what yeah. Japanese wrestling consisted of post-World War II and how it was presented up until probably the 90s, and maybe the early aughts as well, versus what pro wrestling was in the U.S. and what it became in the 80s especially, then you would understand the differences. So to come back to what you said, them viewing it more as a sport, I would say they probably do view it a little more competitively. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that some of the national sports over there are sumo and um, and karate, right? Like we look at our big what our mm-hmm. name was hockey, basketball, baseball, football. They just got football over there, uh, maybe like less than ten years ago. Right? And it's on a minor level as well, like arena football is here. So you just kind of look at where the emphasis is culturally, and I think as far as contacts go, there's a more um, Marshall, right? Like ours are like our content mm-hmm. support more like field sports, and I think that probably lends right. itself a view in pro wrestling as well. I'm going to kind of okay. piggyback off of that um, as we're talking about sports, and you being a Detroit guy, I kind of want to get your prediction because I'm a big sports guy. Um, in, in your eyes, who do you see winning a championship first? The Lions? The Red Wings, the Pistons, or, 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 you know, who do you see from Detroit winning a championship first uh, as a Detroit team? I'll tell you who it's not going to be. Like, come on. <laughs> like, the lines are going bad. <laughs> You're out. You know? you just, one of my favorite patients I have is um, an 83 year old. And he's, he's awesome. Um, he's, quite fit and he's really well and uh yeah the lions he's 83 the lions have always been bad in his entire life you know so it's like your birthright you're into detroit a couple things going for uh you have a certain cultural epicenter in detroit um like motown music birthright uh four seasons um and you just know that the lines are going to be dog bit year in They've proven that time and again. It, they had Matt Stafford, for Christ's sakes, won a Super Bowl 
we had him for like well over 10 years you know we can so if that doesn't tell you all you need to know i don't know the wings are obviously hockey town like in the 90s they were massive ironically do you know who darren mccarty is yeah, yeah. he came like a mm-hmm. ton of training mm-hmm. a huge wrestling fan super nice guy so that's cool to see but uh man i don't and i don't watch basketball so i can't comment on that yeah <laughs> <laughs> no idea. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm was born in Houston, and uh, we were Oilers fans growing up. And I've kind of resigned myself to that we might not see a, a Houston Super Bowl win in a very long time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The Texans. Well, are- yeah, I feel the same. Okay. Yeah, these guys are just. I mean, they're just the worst. Just they <laughs> to lose. It's remarkable. I can't believe it. Yeah, it happens. Well, I think uh, I hope everyone got enough questions and that they wanted to ask. Uh, Now I'm going to turn it over to the live viewers. Uh, Dominic, hey, yeah, it's my favorite. Uh, Alex Shelley, what is your favorite dessert? I like donuts a lot. I don't know if that's breakfast dessert, but take that. It counts as both. It's fine. I think it does. Yeah. <laughs> it can be both, right? Uh, yeah. Logan James, I think you're an amazing athlete, Alex. I'm going to tune up my body now. Thanks for the inspiration. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Weakness is never a strength. Strength is never a weakness. So, so. we'll get it. Oh, uh, really? Billy Jeans, what Alex, what is your favorite tag team at, match teaming up with Kushida? Easily. Easily against the Young Bucks. Uh Osaka Joe Hall. That's would have been June 2014. I separated shoulder. I separated my shoulder in juniors and like I had to tape that sucker back together. But that was I think probably our best tag match for sure. I remember hearing secondhand. Uh, we were the opener, and the booker afterwards said, I feel sorry for whoever has to follow that. So, it, you know, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I like that match. Well, uh, yeah, um, I don't want to take up too much of your time, Alex, but uh, everyone go check out Alex Shelley's pro wrestling tees. I'm going to leave that in the uh, comments below. Uh, definitely go by definitely go check out all his uh merchandise and stuff uh i've got a lot of mercy machine gun stuff from tna and thank you stuff. yeah uh but uh yeah uh it was very great having you on uh uh like like alex and it was very great having you on like once i started this podcast i knew i had to get alex shelley on here you're one of my favorites of all time in tna uh but uh yeah thank you for coming on and uh yeah does anyone have anything else to say or uh alex uh if, if people want to find you uh where can they find you at like oh, media wise what do i have sometimes i really regret picking stupid fucking handles as my because <laughs> <laughs> i was so indifferent right? <laughs> i didn't even want it like tna just made us get them all um <laughs> I think it's at fake Kincaid on Twitter and then like yeah. at the dip on Instagram. 
which are song titles. But I really should probably change that. It's probably confusing, but whatever. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it was very great having you on, Alex. And maybe in a few months down the line, we can have you on again sometime soon. Sure, anytime. Uh, have me. Thank you for the questions. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Well, Thank uh, yeah, you. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow for the best of. Uh, we'll, follow, we'll follow all the all on link in the description below, all of our social medias, and you'll find out what we have going next. But uh, yeah, we will see you guys tomorrow. Thank you guys so much. Peace. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. Bye.